Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Well, we're, uh, we're working on the job, in between the job, and uh, working through all the finer details of Peter King's Football Morning in America column right now. Because it is 49er heavy. Heavy. Very heavy. And Peter. <laughs> That's great. He even addresses his uh, laugh cough. Oh, my God. His laugh cough issue, which apparently uh, he's been getting notes from readers all over America about his laugh cough. Ten week cough. <laughs> Is what he referred to. Well, are you kidding me? I think Grandy had it in 12 weeks, but we're going to give Peter the benefit of the doubt on that. Oh, my God. It's his cough, not ours. But uh, for those of you faithful Willard and Dibs listeners, uh, and many of you on the YouTube feed, you know, dang, Peter, get a lozenge. Hopefully Peter's doing better uh, today. And I would say, you know, getting out to that Las Vegas air would help. But Vegas is like Seattle. Um, Dude, it's it, it, cold and wet. I know, I know. I'm being told. According to sources. Yeah. Yeah. According to sources. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Sources. Um, but this is some fascinating stuff. And um, I learn so much every time I read these. So first off, Peter did a ride-along with Kyle Shanahan. He rode to work with him, hopped in the passenger seat of a Tesla, and drove to work with Kyle Shanahan peppering him with all of the hard questions, holding his feet to the fire, Dibs. Totally. As they were making their way to Levi Stadium one day. First thing that comes out is the story behind the story of drafting Brock Purdy. And I'll tell you one thing that stood out right away in this story. Kyle Shanahan, before the draft, had a fourth-round grade on Brock Purdy. A fourth-round grade on Brock Purdy. I think that is significant, considering how much is made about where he was drafted. Mr. Irrelevant, he's a seventh-rounder. Well, if he was so good, then how come nobody wanted him before the seventh round? Kyle Shanahan assessed him as a fourth-round grade. But also, based on his knowledge of the league, believed that he would not go in the fourth round and thought it was possible they could get him later. As things started to move toward their pick in the seventh round, Kyle's looking at this, and what he calls an intense environment breaks out of all of the different scouts as that pick is coming up, going, you got my guy's still there. No, 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 but my guy's still there. But my linebacker, but my running back, and everybody starts going off for their guys. 
And it comes down to a conversation between Kyle Shanahan and John York. And Kyle says to him at one point, look, I get it. We just drafted Trey Lance, but we're not going to get him in free agency. Brock has since told Kyle, I was not going to sign with you if it had gotten to Brock not being drafted. And Kyle says to John, look, I get a lot of the uh, debate here, but there's no doubt in my mind that that's the best football player left on the board. And this is John York. John York. Jed's father. Correct. Yes, co-chairman. So Kyle says that. Look, I, I, I understand a lot of the different points, but there's no doubt in my mind that that's the best quarterback. John York says to him, well, if that's what you believe, I, I don't even understand why this is a discussion. Why are we sitting here thinking about this? And that was the end of that. Brock Purdy becomes a 49er, and as Kyle said on this ride along with Peter, we made the pick, and thank God we did. It's crazy, too, because I'm reading the quote to Peter King, and he says, quote, John and I, we took Purdy, and thank God we did. Mm-hmm. John and I. and Which John is he talking about? Exactly. <laughs> Is it John Lynch or is it John John York? York. Because John York, according to the story, empowered Kyle as if to say, you guys think he's the best player, then you take him. John York, and this is from Kyle, he said, John looked at him and said, I don't get why there's discussion if you guys think he's the best player. And that's Dr. John going to Kyle, basically saying, you know, forget these are the scouts. If you think he's the best player, Kyle, then go ahead and make the pick. And John and I, we took Purdy, and thank God we did. I think he's talking about John Lynch, but there you go. And the fact that that pick came out of a of another quarterback pick that they've already made, that to me, Mark, is the the sneaky part of this whole story. Because um, <laughs> the reason they had that pick was C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard signs a small contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the 49ers get a comp pick out of it, the lowest-valued pick in the entire draft, and that becomes Brock Purdy. It's a fascinating story that we all agree, especially if it gets the capper this weekend. If it gets the capper, I mean, it, it, it truly becomes one of the greatest stories in the history of the league. I don't think that's overselling it. I don't think that's overstating it. This is one of the best stories in the history of the league if Brock Purdy wins this football game. You can take Rudy and throw it in the trash. As far as your campy little sports movie, this story is way better. Way better than Rudy gets in in garbage time of his last game and gets a sort of a faux sack at, uh, at Notre Dame, which, by the way, is a story that Joe Montana has already tried to debunk a whole bunch of times. But anyway, be that as it may, this is really, really great stuff in terms of how this came together and the questions that were asked of Kyle Shanahan. And uh, I'm already I'm, – I'm, I'm champing at the bit right now to ask a ton of questions to Peter about this specific ride-along. He gets into his Super Bowl experiences in the past. Right. I love this. Which one bothers you more, 28-3 to 3 or 20-10? to 10? It's a great question. 20 to 10. Yeah. No doubt. No and, doubt. And, and by the way, I, I'll take this one to my grave. 
Dude, he's not the head coach in the 28 to 3. No, in 28 to 3, you're the offensive coordinator and you were the 28, you weren't the 3. So, it's not like he was sitting on the 3 as the DC thinking, yeah, we got them by the short hairs. You put up 28 and you're up 28 to 3 as the offensive coordinator. So, yes, and you weren't the head coach. So, that one definitely would bother me less as opposed to up 20 to 10 with 7 minutes to go against Mahomes. That would definitely bother me more. No doubt. And the fact that you gave up not one, not two, but three touchdowns in the final 630. I mean. Ouch. I look back at that that Patriots-Falcons game, and, and sure, there's a thousand things that you could question, and then there's a bunch of other just weird, wonky stuff that happened. The Edelman catch. Right. I mean, just, right, sometimes that snowball gets going downhill. It's almost kind of like what the Niners did to the Lions last week. It's like 23 things need to happen, and they all need to go in the direction of one team, and they do, and you sort of shrug your shoulders and go, what are you going to do? But I bet Kyle Shanahan, especially A, he's the head coach, but B, he looks back at we've got six and a half minutes to go, and we're up by two scores. And you look at the things that had to happen, and it's not just Kittle being called for a penalty and Bosa not, but there's the there's the throws that Jimmy missed, and then there's the ones that he didn't even throw. Exactly. Like people, I, this is the most under discussed thing about that. There were openings, things that Kyle schemed open that Jimmy didn't even see. And, and so I got to imagine that that Super Bowl four years ago, and I think he basically said it directly to Peter, that, that eats at him like nothing else in the history of his career. Of course. And now he's back here in a spot where he can not only avenge the loss to Kansas City from four years ago, but he can win the first Super Bowl, and he's doing it with Brock Purdy. And another thing we can ask Peter about is the the evolution of the Tom Brady conversation because they were circling back just this last offseason to Tom Brady again. Yep, yep. That was the one, and Peter used this as a little tease um, in sending out the article. What question caused Kyle Shanahan to look at Peter and go, I'm glad you asked that question. Well, the question was, did you tell Brock Purdy that you were trying to sign Tom Brady last offseason? Kyle goes, I'm glad you asked that question. And then he answered it. And we'll let you know, along with the help of Peter King, exactly how he answered that. Coming up next, so glad you're with us. The Warriors continue their East Coast road trip tomorrow and Thursday. That means we'll be continuing our show uh, with the uh, super secret Willard and Dibs Super Bowl party, free Odyssey app, and on Twitch and YouTube the next two days, tomorrow and Thursday. So you want to make sure you're listening and watching at that time because, A, it's a whole lot of fun, but, B, we'll also tell you how you can win a trip to Vegas to see Billy Joel later this year. We're going to fly you out there. We're going to get you tickets. Just make sure you're with us when we continue our show on the Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube both tomorrow and Thursday while the Warriors are playing back east. San Francisco Sheriff's Office countdown to kickoff clock says we are five days, zero hours, 17 minutes, and 33 seconds away from the big game. We're a lot less away from Peter King, who joins us next on Willard and Dips. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That really is an incredible story. Now, back to Willard and Dibbs on 95.7 The Game. I'm almost upset that Peter's on. And uh, and I know he's listening, but just let me explain, Peter. I'm almost upset that he's on because I'm like, I'm like 90% of the way through football morning <laughs> in America. And it's riveting. It's riveting. And I have to interrupt this reading to actually talk to the man, which is a gift. And uh, and he is live in Vegas, and he is joining us right now on Willard and Dibs, as he always does. Uh, the great Peter King, Boxer and Gerson guest line, Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. Hello, Peter. Hey, good to be with you guys. Hello, how are you? Uh, we're, we're fantastic, and uh, we're reading all about it, and we were talking about it a short time ago. You're right along with Kyle Shanahan. We want to hear all about it, um, but one line in your article so far stands out to me. You write, you can hear it in Kyle's voice. He's excited to have the last pick in the draft on his side in this game going against... Patrick Mahomes. Peter, what exactly was it that you heard? What I heard he talks about uh, when he talks about his own, first of all, he loves Pat. You know, he just, he thinks he's fantastic. Who, who couldn't? You know, who wouldn't think that? But one of the things about Brock Purdy that we talked about is just the simple fact, you know, he brought it up that, you know, he said it's comical how, how many people are down on Purdy and don't think he's that good and think that they're winning in spite of Brock Purdy, you know, and he, and he made this point that if Joe Montana played now, how do you think people would view him? He doesn't run around like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. So they would view him like, oh, how good can this guy be? He doesn't have the greatest arm, you know, and all this stuff. And 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 then he he made the point that, you know, it's just it's comical. And the reason why he thinks that that all these people just minimize what he does, the reason is that, uh, you know, he's he was picked low in the draft. He's not Mister Tools. He's not the five-tool superstar. And look, you know, even though he did run for 52 yards uh, in a 15-minute span last week in the uh, championship game, he's not as good a runner, obviously, as Mahomes is. But I just got this sense that we got what we need, and he's happy to have this guy as a quarterback. And, And look... One of the things, obviously, we talked about is the whole Brady thing. Uh, but his point, and I, I mean, you probably read it, and I'm sure it's been uh, clipped out of my story and run in the media there in San Francisco, is that, listen, he wasn't positive that Purdy uh, and Trey Lance, although I think he 
he really meant Purdy a lot more than Lance. He wasn't sure whether he's going to be healthy at the start of the season. And so this was Tom Brady, even though if you sign Brady, Brady's playing. They, they signed him basically because Brock Purdy, or they tried to sign him basically because uh, Purdy had surgery, major surgery, exactly six months from the first game of the season. So anyway, those are a few things that were interesting in the ride. No, fantastic stuff, and the idea of a revisit with Tom Brady, I think, caught many of us by surprise, and now here we are some four or five months later, and Kyle Shanahan's there with Brock Purdy, and where do you think the the confidence level is, not only with Brock Purdy, but for Kyle Shanahan in general with this team the second go-round after the heartbreak that happened four years ago? Well, you know, I know that there's an awful lot of people who believe that Oh, Kyle's got to win this game. He's going to get branded with the, you know, can't win the big one if he doesn't win this game. And, I mean, obviously, anytime you're in a Super Bowl, you want to win. And if you don't win, it's crushing disappointment and all that. But <clears throat> I don't think Kyle Shanahan looks at any game where the quarterback on the other side is Patrick Mahomes and says, if we lose, we're a bunch of losers. I just, it just, I just don't feel that he believes that. Now, you know, clearly, I'm reminded, of this is my 40th Super Bowl. The first one I ever covered was in, uh, uh, was in 1985 at Stanford in Palo Alto, uh, January of 85, and that was the Montana Marino Super Bowl. And obviously Joe won the game, uh, outplayed Marino. And after the game, everybody was saying, hey, Dan, don't worry about it. You're going to get back here. You'll be back. He never got back. So that's why every time you get in this game, you can't leave anything Undone. You can't leave any stone unturned. And that's why I just believe that, you know, the 49ers are going to be ready to play their best game. And, you know, the, the other team is going to have a lot to do with whether they actually are able to play that best game. We're talking with Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Another great nugget in there, Peter is Kyle's telling you about when he was the guy holding the wire behind his dad in the Super Bowl many years ago, and this is coming on the heels of the NFC having won 13 Super Bowls in a row. And uh, so Kyle's like, well, the AFC always loses. So he says to his dad the day before the game, uh, Dad, do you really think you have a chance to win this game, Broncos versus uh, Packers? And, and Mike Shanahan is like, are you kidding me? We're definitely going to win this game. And, 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 they, and they do. And, Peter, I've learned this through the years, too. Coaches sometimes, they sort of have a feeling, right? They're doing the game planning, and yeah. it's like, yeah. I think we got – so I'd love for you to speculate. You sat with Kyle. Did you notice anything? Does Kyle think they're going to win this one? Well, I'm going to – defer that question and I'll tell you exactly why because 
I rode to work with Shanahan last Tuesday. So he told me he hadn't even finished watching the Kansas City Baltimore tape yet. And he had so many things going on. Right. You know, obviously when you win the Super Bowl you got all these logistics to worry about. <laughs> but <clears throat> I will be shocked. Shocked if right now, if I made that ride with with Kyle, if he didn't figure we have the recipe to win this game because that's who Kyle Shanahan is. He's just like his dad. And thinking about that recipe, what do you think it is, Peter, in terms of facing Kansas City? Is it as simple as keeping Mahomes off the field, or is there something more that the Shanahan offense can do against the Kansas City defense that's much improved from four years ago? I know what I would be thinking, okay? You want to give Patrick Mahomes the fewest number of possessions that you can. And in order to do that, what you saw late, what I thought that Josh Allen did very well, they just didn't finish it late in their game against Kansas City, is milk the clock very effectively because they didn't want Kansas City to be able to get the ball back if they scored. So... So anyway, the deal is, I believe that they will want to, uh, essentially, they will want to milk the clock as much as possible and limit the number of possessions. And I think in order to do that, the thing they're going to have to do, the thing that I believe is really important in this game, uh, is limiting Isaiah Pacheco. He has been an absolute... Uh, piece of gold in these playoffs. And in my opinion, he he is re- he, Mahomes is going to do his thing. He's going to make some plays. Kelsey and now they, you know they're going to they're going to get good things done. But the problem is as I see, if they have a diverse offense that day, I think that it's going to be hard for for San Francisco to win unless they limit the number of possessions uh, that they uh, that they allow Mahomes. Peter, you know how many eyes are on this 49ers defensive line, and especially in these playoffs. is It has felt at times like they are underperforming all the way to the point where we're having conversations about their effort level with Chase Young and others. Did you talk to Kyle about that at all? Because to me... Super Bowl week should not be the week where a player has to be reminded about effort. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't talk to him, but you can tell from what the Niners have said, he's been talked to, and he knows that uh, he knows that that's not going to be tolerated. So I don't think you're going to see that in the Super Bowl personally. Are you surprised that that was even a thing for a team that had such a great defense for the, the better part of the regular season? And then you got to the postseason, and that kind of reared its ugly head in that spot. I thought it was shocking, and you know, I think if you talk to people in Washington, they'll tell you that. I bet they'll tell you that that doesn't surprise them. So you know, look, I. <laughs> I just don't think 
I just don't think that's going to happen again, you know. And uh, I just don't think it's going to happen again. Uh, and if it does, the world will be watching because CBS has 165 cameras at this game. And I will bet you they will ISO on uh, on Chase Young quite a bit in this game. Uh, Peter King with us on Willard and Dibs as he is every single week. Peter, what did you make of this entire conversation about the practice facility and, and the sod at UNLV? Do, to, to what level do the 49ers have a gripe? I don't know enough about it to comment intelligently. I just know that the Niners were ticked off by it. <laughs> and they were looking at the um they were looking at the um they they were looking at the uh at uh, you know at what at how Kansas City was handling things and Kansas City has a luxurious facility and for a while i think they said we need to double up in that facility which i just don't think the chiefs were ever going to agree to in part because it was going to affect their schedule. Now, everybody wants to sing Kumbaya and think, oh, Kansas City was, you know, bad to not let that happen. <clears throat> but if you put the shoe on the other foot, I doubt San Fr- if San Francisco had the great facility, I doubt they would want to share it with Kansas City. But again, look, I, I don't think that's going to be a big factor in the game. What do you think the biggest factor will be in the game? Is it as simple as the Niners being able to contain Travis Kelsey and make the wide receivers beat him on offense? I think it's the Niners being able to uh, contain uh, Isaiah Pacheco because I think he has been a huge difference maker in this postseason. And... (laughs) I mean, look, everybody, you know, it's so ironic, you know, because obviously Purdy, the 262nd pick in the draft, the 251st pick in the 22 draft was Pacheco. And now those two guys, and I don't, I'm not one of these gambler guys, but I would bet those guys would be in the top five, those two players, you know, if you look at the odds for who's going to win the MVP of this game. Peter, let's go back to the uh, the ride-along with Kyle Shanahan, and, and here's something else that I didn't know, and I found this really interesting, and I wonder if it's a perception changer. This idea that the Niners got lucky with Brock Purdy because he's sitting there at the very end in the seventh round. Kyle sharing with you that he had a fourth-round grade on Brock Purdy and essentially had his eye on him the, the, the entire week. D- for you, does that sort of change the whole narrative around the Niners lucking into him based on the fact that Kyle kind of had his eyes on him early? Yeah, I, you know, that's a really interesting question. I think the more accurate way to put it, honestly, would be that Kyle may have had a fourth-round grade on him but because they traded the house for Trey Lance the previous year. They just couldn't. You know, they had so many other needs that they ignored by making that huge trade for Lance. They just couldn't pick him in the fourth. And he didn't think they could pick him at all. But then as they got going and they saw how incredible it was that 
that, you know, that Purdy was still there, you know, as you get into the 250s. And then, obviously, uh, John York, you know, the chair of the 49ers, you know, York the elder, at one point just said to him, hey, because they were arguing about who they should pick. And York basically said, hey, who's the best player on the board? And Kyle said, no doubt, it's Purdy. He goes, what are we arguing about? What are we What are we saying here? And so <clears throat> I think that honestly got to be something that uh, that beca- it, 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 it had the potential of being something that was divisive. And I think John York diffused that uh, that divisiveness. I love the fact that the John York part of the story was injected, Peter, because many of us have thought that John and Denise, by proxy, have been completely out of the picture. But knowing what we know about Brock Purdy and pick 262, is that a bigger coup, or is it the Christian McCaffrey absolute swindle by trading four picks for a guy who you listed as one of your top 53 players of all time? Yeah. um, I think... I think the thing I would say about this that is so interesting is that, um, you know, you have to know when to make a decision. And look, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch would, would admit, uh, you know, very readily that they've made their share of mistakes. You know, you look at the first round of their first draft, and they made two of them. Um, so, and so, you know, a lot of this is basically, you know, the Carolina Panthers gambled that if they had a back who, because of injury, the two previous years had been devalued. And so because he had been devalued, the 49ers were able to get you know, get him for, you know, a lesser, you know, make a lesser trade for him. But I, I just think that anytime you pick a quarterback with the last pick in the draft and in his first year, he leads you to the conference championship game. And in the second year, he leads you to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's one of the great stories of all time. So, you know, I think he as great as the, you know, as great as the McCaffrey story is, I think the Purdy story eclipses it. Peter King with us here on Willard and Dibs. Peter, I'm going to leave all the names on the board and just ask it open-ended. Of all individuals, who has the most to gain by winning this game Sunday? Brock Purdy. Imagine you're in your second year in the NFL. You're the 262nd pick in the draft, and you come in and you have a head-to-head matchup with far and away, easily, no doubt, the best quarterback in the game with a brilliant tactician in Andy Reid. And you do enough against a brilliant defensive tactician and a good, de- really good defense run by Steve Spagnolo, And you win that game. I mean, <clears throat> Brock Purdy is never buying a meal again for the rest of his life in any community in the northern coast of California. (laughs) My partner is glass half full, Peter, and I'm the glass half empty guy. So in in counterpoint to his question, who has the most to lose in this game? 
See, I'm one who doesn't believe it's Kyle Shanahan. Oh. I just don't. I just don't. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Uh, Dan Quinn is the guy in the first game when you say, uh, how do you blow a 28-3 to lead? And I get it. Shanahan did not got he, they got two first downs in the last twenty eight minutes of the game, so that's bad. But he, he's not the one who allowed uh, a team to score thirty one unanswered points. You know, in the last whatever nineteen minutes of the game, whatever it was, I forget. <laughs> but so I don't think it's Shanahan. <laughs> I honestly think that the person who would have the most to lose. Um, would be a guy we don't really know right now because I don't think on the surface, if it isn't Shanahan, that you can pick a guy right now. I mean, what if what if Purdy throws four interceptions? What if he kind of revisits his performance, you know, when they played Baltimore? Well, that would be quite a bit for him to lose, and then you're going to have all the – the uh, people who analyze this game basically saying, okay, bubble burst, they got to get a new quarterback. Which, by the way, I can tell you this right now, they will not do, uh, no matter what happens in this game. This is Brock Purdy's job. Peter King, great stuff. Um, and uh, from your article, boldface names, you write 81 readers. That's how many of them have uh, written in to give you tips to get rid of your 10-week cough. Which tips are you are you using, Peter? Um, the biggest one is that I'm on a uh, sort of a nuclear acid reflux uh, medication, which has helped. But... It hasn't solved it. You know, I've been on that now for six days, and I'm better, but I'm not great. And so I'm sort of hoping that, you know, when I get back from this, I'll go back to the doctor and I'll basically say, okay, what are we going to try now? So, you know, we'll see. It's just one of those things that is annoying because it really, really impacts my sleep. And I maybe get four or five hours every night. So, you know, you wake up and you're tired. Ugh. So that's that's what's been a bummer about it. But yeah. Anyway, it's been a tough life, winter. Life, life goes on. Yeah, it yeah. sure has. Well, uh, Peter, uh, just the perfect thing for a cough. Las Vegas. Have a great yeah. trip, and yeah. uh, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on as always. All the best, guys. Thank you. All right, to you as well. That was Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. We'll react to that coming up. And Steve Kerr is going to join us in 18 minutes. We're presented by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. It's Willard and Dibs. The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Merowest Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Steve Kerr in 10 minutes. Got questions. Yeah? I don't know if he can answer them. Got some questions. Questions about the deadline? Because that's a Mike Dunleavy thing. Well, uh, and and that's what he would say if we... Actually, I don't even know what he would say. He'd probably just stop talking for like... Questions about Clay? So, Steve, you're going to make a trade? Uh, Steve, did we lose you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm here. Oh, yeah. in stereo. Yeah. Yeah. Give myself a four for my me. <laughs> it was good. Steve, do we lose you? Um, yeah, no. Yeah. 
You did. Steve, are you benching Clay no, we, to... Uh, I, mean, I, I definitely have questions about that. We'll, we'll talk about it here in just a sec. Uh, do you need to get some red and gold and station merch ahead of the big game? Visit BreakingTea.com slash 95.7. That's our merch store, BreakingTea.com slash 95.7. McCaffrey, Purdy, Debo, show-specific merch and more. Go check it out. Look, the word that I would use, and the audio is a little wonky, so we can't play it for you. If you're a big Warrior fan, you probably heard it. If not, you can go find it online, but uh, it will sort of encapsulate the whole thing for you. Anthony Slater talking to Clay Thompson about not being in the finishing lineup. And Clay is like, Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, I'm happy for the young guys. Guy Santos is in the closing lineup for the Warriors. Like, what on God's green earth are we t- are we talking about? But they got to win, and, and and Clay is inconsistent at best, and he is absolutely frustrated, and all that's normal and okay. But the one I struggle with is when Clay looks at Anthony Slater and goes, "Of course, this is hard." I mean. To go from one of the best players to this, that's the tough one, man. Well, that to me is the natural answer. That's that's the good, honest reaction. That's the natural feeling, but it's not the natural answer there, there, for two reasons. For me, two reasons. Number one, what Clay Thompson has struggled with this entire time is A, making it about him. And B, living in the past. Those are the things that I think are the big struggle. Super easy for me to sit here and say. Well, the question was about him. Understood. So I'll forgive the first part of that. Understood. But by the same token, um, when your team has won the basketball game and you have continued to go through stretches where it's one thing to miss shots, it's another to just make horrible decisions. You know, the game last week over the weekend when Clay throws up a brick and then steals the ball and then comes down the other end and a lob to Kaminga is like as obvious as the sun coming up in the morning. And instead he stops and fires another three that barely grazes the rim. You can't do that stuff. No matter what injury you've had, or where you've been, or how much everybody feels for you. Clay Thompson is royalty in this city and never won't be. But the problem with it is, is everybody's sort of waiting for him to emotionally turn the page. It's as if we're all watching reality and Clay won't accept it. That's what's tough. I understand how hard it must be, and everyone's on his side, not calling for him to be traded, benched, or anything else. He's Clay Flippin' Thompson. But the bottom line is, at a certain point, reality has got to be accepted. This feels to me, when, when you say that after a win, I mean, to go from the best player to this, it's no different than holding up four fingers at the Phoenix Suns when you're down by 27. It's like my man. You're right. We know how great you were. And we know how great this run has been. But that's not now. And, and at a certain point, you got to start living 
now and being angry that then doesn't exist anymore. Well, and I'll respond in terms of Clay. Who are you to decide what now is? Because Clay's had games that have looked like the Clay of old. And so if you're Clay, you're thinking that Clay is just a couple of shots away. And we know that Clay Thompson's a guy who can shoot his way into a Claymaker game. Now, it hasn't been as often as it has been in the past, and I have a back and forth with my friend Billy Domhoff, Billy D. He's a Clay apologist through and through, and we've had a full-on back and forth on IG, on text. It's been in person. It's been on the phone. It's been passionate, and last night is a game where you look at it and he goes four of nine, eight points, and yeah, he was not in the finishing lineup because he shouldn't have been. But from Clay's standpoint, he is not willing to accept what you're putting out there in terms of the reality of now. For Clay, he still thinks that he's capable of being the Clay that he was in the past. And he is capable of that, but how often? It used to be three of every four games. Now it feels like it's one of every four games. And I give Steve Kerr credit for being able to, in times like last night, say, Clay, you're not going to be playing in crunch time because you're not, you're not doing it. You're not doing what we need. And you go to Guy Santos, who is playing great. Look, I, I have no problem admitting what I, this must sound like. Here, here we are with microphones in front of our face being like, Clay, don't act like that. Like, oh my God, shut up. I totally get it. If I'm Clay, this kind of stuff would annoy the living hell out of me. But I can also only speak for for me and for us and the fan experience. And I, I, I went off about this six weeks ago on one of our shows. It is wildly uncomfortable to watch how angry Clay seems all the time. And that anger, you know, like smart people once said, once upon a time, I remember reading this quote, when you're constantly feeling angry, it is a sign that the world is not open to your energy. If you're constantly feeling angry, it's a sign that the world's not open to your energy. Like in other words, Why are you always angry? You're banging your head against the wall because something that you're continually trying to do isn't working. And that's where I feel like we've arrived with Clay. Sure, this sucks. I get it. It really, really sucks that you're not who you used to be. It stinks to high heaven that it went the way that it did. It's not fair. That these things happen to your body. It stinks. And there's no way to wiggle your way out of a dynasty in a perfect fashion. That doesn't exist. But the other thing is that life goes on. And, and, and here we are. And there are games on the schedule. And, and, and wins to get. And all of these things. And, and I, I just think Warrior fans, for the most part, are getting to a spot of where we get pulled in two directions because we love the living hell out of Clay sure. Thompson. But how long do we go on the journey of Clay refinding himself instead of moving on to, can we just play Warrior basketball now? Well, they moved on last night. And I didn't sense that Clay was that angry, he was frustrated. 
And I think that the message I got from Clay was he understands why they went in a different direction. He's frustrated by it. And, you know, Draymond chirping in from the third row made it seem like maybe Clay was more frustrated than he really was because Draymond was leaping in to defend him with who gives a blank. I didn't finish game five in the NBA finals and this and that. It's like, yeah. It's not about then, it's about now. And this happens more often now than ever before with Clay not finishing games. I think Clay is getting to a point where he's resigned to the reality of where his situation is. And I'm sure he's frustrated over the fact that he got a contract offer, reportedly, and he turned it down. And now the offer that he might get in the offseason could be smaller than the offer that he reportedly got a couple of months ago. Last night not, might not be the perfect example, but it's it's exhibit G, sure. G. He's been frustrated. You know what I mean? And and by the way, Draymond, who the bleep cares? I got the answer, Clay. That's who. Like the, 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 right. those, Warrior fans the, care. The, but, but these comments didn't blend. Like Draymond's in the room going, who the bleep cares who finishes? And Clay's next sentence is, it totally stinks Yeah, that I'm not finishing. He cares. It's like, that's who cares. Draymond, he does. And, and so that's what I'm getting at. You're looking at this discord. We're watching multiple events go on at one time, which is the big three navigating this constant, like, how are you now? How are you now? Are you okay with this? Are we going to do it that way? Are you okay? And, and, and blending it with Warrior basketball, which goes on. Yeah. And, and yeah. I get it. Fans are like, that's the, what's the, the discomfort of this. And, you know, woe is us. I'm not saying that. Don't feel sorry for us. But the discomfort from Warrior fans is that you, do, you get pulled in two directions. We love Clay Thompson, he's royalty. I want him to be awesome too. But if he's not, then what do you do? Are we still allowed to root for the team to win games and do the right things to win games without having to do like mental health checks on everybody in the locker room after every game? It's just like we won. Is it okay that we won this way? Right. I like it's just it's difficult. It's really difficult to, yeah. right now for a Warrior fan to find their lane. That's well, how I feel. And I think a lot of it, Mark, is that Warrior fans, when we talk about the big three and we talk about the end of the big three, we all would assume that the end of the big three would happen at the same time, where all three would be playing at a certain level and then all three would be done at the same time and we could all pivot from there. But that's not the way life works. And maybe this is the end of the quote, Big three, when you have Clay Thompson subbed out of the game with 7.19 to go, and the Warriors up four, and he doesn't return again, and the Warriors go on to win, and then he has those comments post-game. The big three ending will not necessarily happen all at the same time. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, the smart choice for low auto loan rates and super simple online application process. 